0: Hey, can you hear me? I can. Yay! This, this is, is exciting. This is very exciting. You're my first person ever to do.
1: Oh, <laughs> I you're the first person to even introduce me to this app. So this is I cool.
0: know. it's super cool. Uh, she was like, "Yeah, you just need each person just needs to have the app," and I was like, "All right, well, we'll t- we'll try
1: it's it." It's Amazing! <laughs> I love it. How it's are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, baby's sleeping, and uh, I am getting a late start to the day. You no, know, I did some stuff before this. I had a work call, but it's good. I'm happy. It's summer. It's sunny outside. It's it, my favorite season of the year.
0: It is your favorite season of the year, and yep. it's fine that you got a late start because you have a baby.
1: That's true. I do. Baby's so cute. Change everything. <laughs> it's true I know I'm trying to give myself grace in adjusting to not being able to do as many things as I want to do I want to do so many things I always want to do so many things <laughs> and it's not even like it's it's work things it's like yep. things I feel guilty that I can't do it's not even like oh, I want to go have fun yeah not that that stuff isn't fun but you know what I yes. mean like,
0: yes yes yes
1: there's always so many things I want to do
0: it it doesn't it gets better so I would probably say by the time uh Ruby was born and she Ruby is uh what is Ruby nine years younger than Isaac it was like I was like I am not doing anything but hanging out with my baby <laughs>
1: <laughs> see that's like that's where I am and need to be but I think being This is the first baby I've ever raised, and I'm almost 40, and I started doing activist stuff when I was like 23, 24. It's so hard. Like I was just talking to God, praying about it this morning, and just thinking how hard it is to kind of shift the mindset when you find your identity and doing things, doing certain things, and then you shift, and you're not doing those things anymore. And then, of course, COVID adds to that and everything, being home and all my events being canceled. Which is a good thing because the thing that I want to do is be with the baby, but it's just like it takes a mental shift to know that it's okay to do that and it's okay to not have to do 15 yeah. things that I'm used yeah. To. And
0: I was the same, I'm gonna tell you, I was 20. How old was I when I had um, I was 24 when I had sincere who's now 17, and I was the same way. And I didn't have all, and I didn't have all that stuff going on in my life. And I hadn't built like a career or anything. And I still was like, there's so much I want to do. And I, and I don't have time to do all the things now, like rewind to, you know, nine months before I got before I found out I was pregnant, like I didn't do any of those things. So... (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that I thought I wanted to do but um you I know, know all of a sudden I've got a bunch of stuff so at least you're validated in saying that you know there were things that you were actually doing before this where there was I was doing nothing but felt like I should be doing all of the things
1: and I'm just that's hilarious well I mean you no go ahead, but you could have, I mean at 24 I think I couldn't even well I couldn't drive I didn't have my driver's license I could barely make eggs. I mean, so you know, more power to you that you were capable of. You know, taking care of a baby at that age. I was. Ex- I developed. Well, so he's.
0: I mean, he's alive. Just, we'll say that he's. He's still alive, and hey, the jury's still out on whether or not we we've created thing. a like actually raised an adult yet. Yeah, the jury's still. We're gonna wait till uh probably till he's about twenty five. I think then we'll start seeing some results of how we did.
1: Hey, okay, it takes time. <laughs> It takes time. Even now, like I said, I'm almost 40, and I'm like, okay, wow, I feel I really feel like an adult, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever, washing my dishes or, you know, buying a new toaster, like adult things. So it takes time. Oh, my gosh. Well, if
0: um, y'all don't know who I'm talking to, um, I am talking to Christina Bennett. And if you have been in the pro-life community for longer than two seconds, you uh, probably recognize that voice immediately and you knew who I was talking to. And um, this is Sherilyn Holloway and this is uh, Pro Black Pro Life's podcast on community conversations. And I just wanted to invite Christina, you just heard us talk, is pretty much how all of our conversations (laughs) start and last for like the first 40 minutes and then like the last 20 minutes we actually get down to business um and I met Christina through a Facebook group well I had been following Christina on Facebook but I met her um met her on a Facebook group um Black Women in Pro-Life if that's you and you want to be supported we have a, a Facebook group that you can join um, and she had posted something. I'm not going to post, I'm not going to say what she posted, um, but she had posted. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, cur- I'm okay. Curious. So she, you posted a post in that group and I had DMG before this and you hadn't like responded to me and, yep, sounds um, <laughs> right. Sounds right. um, you posted yep. that you wanted to have, um, a black women's pro life conference. And
1: oh yes, I yes, was yes, like, yes.
0: "Why is that?" And then you responded, and then I DM'd you, like you're speaking to my heart because we had had some similar uh, experiences. And yeah, uh, and so you, myself, and uh, another friend, Tony McFadden, we just we started having these these Zoom conversations that were, like I said, seventy five percent support and twenty five percent about this conference that is actually looking like it's going to happen this year virtually. Um, Oh and so one day you posted that you were going to be in Detroit, um, and it was last May. Yes. And so I think we met like two years ago, we had this conversation like two years ago. And then last May, you said, you're going to be in Detroit and that Tony was going to be traveling with you. Um, and I was like, "I I need to come and have dinner, coffee, lunch, something with you. And it worked yes. out that we actually—I drove to Detroit, so Detroit is two hours from me. Um, and we had breakfast. We had a long breakfast together, and it was phenomenal. And so we have been good friends ever it, it since.
1: Was. It was, and that seems like well, a lifetime. That seems so ago. long ago, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. That seems like a lifetime. I'm like, oh yes. That's right. There was a time when I got on a plane and I went places <laughs> and I spoke to places a long, long time ago. <laughs> Way back when. Yes, that was a phenomenal breakfast. That was amazing that you drove two hours to come see us.
0: Well, that's funny because I just drove an hour to see Amy Ford and Alyssa Morgan. And I met Robin Chambers from Focus on the Family. Um And so they were like, wow, thanks for driving. And I was like, ah, I've driven further.
1: (laughs) See, I'm not a driver. Like, I'm not a big driver. I mean, I drive, but like, I've never driven through multiple states. I've only like, you know, a couple of times with my husband, I'll drive like when we're going to Virginia for, you know, 30 minutes or something, but I've never by myself driven through multiple states. I've only driven from like Connecticut to Massachusetts, which, you know, some parts that can be like 45 minutes to an hour so. Um, so, for me, I'm like, two hours to come see us. That's really impressive. Well, I would do it again in
0: a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Thank you. Okay. So, I'm going to... We do have questions, y'all. There are questions. <laughs> there are questions. Yay, I'm um, excited. I love questions. And they're actually... It's really short. And I'm trying... What I'm trying to do is keep the same four questions for everyone. Um, okay. And Great. so, in this podcast, you know, I'm talking to people who identify in, in all different types of realms, whether we pro-life and pro-choice, and I don't ask them where, which one they line up with. But again, if you have been in the pro-life community for longer than 10 seconds, you know where uh, Christina's beliefs uh, align. But I want yes. you to talk to me about your love for your community.
1: Sure, absolutely. Let's see, where do I start? Um... Actually, I'll kind of start with my frustration. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a funny place to start, no, but really, I remember when I was in college and um, I was so frustrated with what I thought was the failings of the Black community or where. You know, I wanted us to be going in a certain direction, and when I turned on the news, when I listened to people, when I listened to speakers, when I saw marches, I just felt like we were missing the mark. And I remember just being so frustrated about that. And it was actually one of my white girlfriends who was a African American studies major, and in college. And I remember we went on a trip to Kansas City, and I must have been ranting about something, and um, you know, she just checked me. And helped me to see that I had, you know, things in my heart. Um, and I realized that um, my frustration came from not praying enough for my own community. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, like when you, especially for someone like me, who I'm always paying attention to the news, I am I'm, I'm very engaged with what's going on in society, and I can get very emotional Um, And I think a lot, a lot of people, I mean, look at Twitter, look at Facebook, a lot of people are like this. And for me, you know, if I'm not praying, I'm venting Mm. and I'm ranting and I'm complaining and I'm pointing the finger. Um, And so I ended up becoming a prayer missionary. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but I did. And um, eventually I ended up moving to Atlanta and I felt like God specifically told me to move to Atlanta to pray for the black community as Atlanta, you know, is like a Mecca, for the black community with history, with Martin Luther King, with HBCUs, with so many other things, a really symbolic place for, you know, for, um, for the black community. And so I ended up moving um, outside of Atlanta uh, in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I spent three years there at the international house of prayer, Atlanta, 24 seven house of prayer. And one of my main focuses, well, I had two uh, was abortion in the African-American community. So praying for the restoration in um, the healing and the future and the hope of the black community is it, actually where I met Jade Lee, who runs the uh, black woman in pro-life mm-hmm. group and her husband, Corey. I met them there in Atlanta. It's where I met Catherine Davis, who is a, a, a founding leader of the um, National Black Pro-Life Coalition. It's where I met Ryan Baumberger. It's where I met Alveda King. So it was really it was a really special time for me. And also connecting to other black pro leaders because I didn't know any. I didn't actually really know any. I only met one, Will Ford, when I was in D.C. because I started off praying in D.C. and then I moved to Atlanta. But anyway, um, that time period of my life um, when I was just continually praying, you know, for the African American community, that we would prosper, that we would have strong families, that we would um, that we would grow, that we would be represented in spheres of society, that we would have justice, that we would be able to um, multiply and not decrease, you know, in relation to abortion and, and other issues of violence, is really when God just um, solidified in me, you know, a burden and a desire to see my people prosper. Now, you know, my dad is an educator and doctor uh, in in education. He's got his doctor in education and he's uh, a strong black man. You know, he's an overcomer. He grew up in the inner city of Connecticut and, you know, he had friends die for Mm. um, foolish things. You know, he told me that a friend got shot over 50 cents once, Mm. but he, you know, he pushed past the racism. He pushed past all these different things and he got into teaching and then he became a principal. So he's always been uh, someone that's just really, uh, giving me a love for black history. I remember he was the first person that bought me a Maya Angelou book. I know where the cage bird sings when I was probably nine years old, I think, and I devoured it. And, um, and so he's always been someone that uh, has been an example to me, but it, it, again, it really wasn't until I, uh, moved to Atlanta and began to really earnestly pray that I developed, you know, a burden and a passion and a love. And so even today it carries on, um, for me in many ways, but, you know, one way being as a person that's pro-life, as a person that's conservative, um, you know, I'm committed to not speaking um, about the black community in a way that's degrading, in a way that's belittling, in a way that's mocking, in a way that would, you know, set myself up above people. You know, I'm committed to not doing that. I'm committed to um, calling us into hope and not just focusing on the negative, Um, which is so easy to do. My husband always says, who's also a wonderful black man. Um, he always says that anyone can point out the problems in the community. Anyone can point out the problems in society, but it's uh, harder to find solutions and it's harder to find answers. And so I don't want to just be another voice pointing out the problems. We we know what the problems are. So many of us do. We've grown up with them. We see them. They're clear. Um, but what are the answers? You know, how do we get out of the situations that we're in? How do we prosper? How do we better ourselves? What does the future look like for us? And that's what I'm committed to um, working towards both in my community, uh, in my church and in the nation. So.
0: Perfect. That's a
1: little bit about my story. Perfect. Thank you.
0: So here's a, going a little deeper in that. What um, sure. problems have you begin to solve and continue to solve in your community? Uh, with different programs and initiatives that you have aligned yourself with, um, relationships that you have, how have you seen those? Um, I don't want to say take a turn, but how have you seen them kind of come to life when it comes to um, the issue of of racism? In the same sense, you know, we, we, we are able to talk about it as far as, you know, the abortion, yeah. but it's in terms of racism in other areas. And when we're speaking into these things, how have you um, begin to initiate conversations um, with people that maybe don't necessarily want to link arms in that way?
1: Yeah, so, you know, in a few different ways, I mean, uh, I think the biggest way that I've helped the community in my particular city has been you know when i spent four years working for a pregnancy center that's probably 10 minutes or so from my house as the client service manager that was uh, probably one of the best ways that i impacted my community you know, with my church i'm also a licensed minister my husband and i are licensed ministers at our church which is also you know 15 minutes away from us and so we've done a lot of mentoring you know we work with young people uh, we work with twenty something year olds and college students and young you know young families and so we 've mentored and we built up people and again, working at the pregnancy center was you know a phenomenal experience in pouring into the lives of young women of color and helping them to make uh, choices for life um, but in addition to that right now, I am more involved in local politics so i 'm actually Um, I'm a Republican. I think I mentioned I'm a conservative. And I joined the uh, Republican town committee with uh, three other black individuals. (laughs) And we are we're the only ones, you know, we are the only ones um, in in an all white um, Republican town committee. But we are bringing our voice. And we have a different voice and we think about things differently and we express ourselves differently and we have different priorities. Um, But we are present, you know, in that sphere because we align with them when it comes to the pro-life movement and we align with them when it comes to, um, you know, supporting the pregnancy centers, because unfortunately in Connecticut, uh, there is an attack against the pregnancy centers and they've tried to bring forth legislation multiple times to shut them down. So we align with them on these issues. Um, But then, you know, we had different opinions when it comes to, you know, uh, police brutality or the education system and different things. And so we are uh, building bridges. We're building bridges. And in that way, trying to, you know, make a difference in our community. And one of the people that I admire so much who's doing this, uh, really leading this, is a young uh, black man named Ed Ford, who is the youngest, you know, a Republican in uh, elected in Connecticut. And, you know, he's pro-life. And uh, that's one of the reasons why he uh, is in that particular party, uh, because he's, uh, unfortunately, we don't have many pro-life Democrats in Connecticut on the local level. Um, very few and very few that are willing to to speak out about that. Um, and so he's, you know, aligned himself in this way with his party and he stands for life. But he's also willing to challenge and willing to provoke and willing to try to bring about change. And so, you know, I, I I'm involved in politics on, you know, the, the national level, but I think that local is so important. You know, who, um, who are your state reps? Who are your, you know, state senators? Who's your mayor? What do they believe in? What do they stand for? You know, do they know who you are? Do they know what you care about? Are you involved, you know, when it comes to decisions that affect your community? And right now we're having discussions about the police and we're having discussions about reform and we're having discussions about, you know, the statues and uh, whether they should remain up or not. And we're having discussions about the pregnancy centers and how to support them in the midst of attacks. So I just try uh, to be involved because I love my city and I love my community and and I want to be a present person and I want to be a voice. So that's just a little bit about what, yeah, I'm doing that's now and what I've done for the last couple of years. Thank you. But I, like I said, I want to do so much more. <laughs> um, I do. Like, I think the things that really burdened me is seeing that there's not a lot of um, resources for women who are looking for housing. Yeah. You know, when I worked for the pregnancy center for four years, I would refer people to a few homes that we have but they're just a few, just a couple a handful really and Connecticut is not only one of the most expensive places to live but also we just have people don't realize this but we're one of the most segregated states when it comes to housing yeah Um, I've been posting a couple articles about it lately and it's just it's night and day from like Hartford to West Hartford you know maybe 20 minute difference it's a completely different world completely different world and the way that that's been allowed is because there's certain rich towns and you know areas in Connecticut where they just will not allow affordable housing Mm. Um, and I actually worked for a pro-life man once who is is a white guy and he's amazing very successful multi-millionaire and um very successful guy who's used his own finances to pour into the pro-life movement so out of his own pocket he just started a pro-life um organization where he uh hired me and other people to help get into churches and spread the pro-life message but he also builds um builds houses Mm -hmm. and does construction and stuff and i remember one day he uh came back from a meeting and he just said to me oh man you don't want to know what happened in this meeting. Cause he had to meet with, you know, the town elders, the town authorities. And he was like, you don't, you don't want to know what happened in this meeting. And I was like, Oh, I know what happened. They told you they don't want black people in their town. <laughs> and they told you, they didn't want you to build affordable housing because they don't want black people. And he was looking at me like, you know, that's exactly it. Yeah. And so, you know, here you have someone that's you know, so, so pro-life that he's willing to go into his own pocket, use his own finances to try to um, start start something, not only try to to start something and to uh, and to help women and to donate to pregnancy centers, and he's doing that. At the same time, he's trying to build affordable housing, and in certain areas, he can't even get past the uh, an initial meeting because, you know, the the people that are in power are saying no. You know, we don't want our community to change, and so that's some of the struggle. That you know, even when you're you know, you're doing things like a pregnancy center, you're you're giving out resources, you're giving out diapers, you're giving out clothes, you're doing parenting classes. But then some of the tougher things, you know, it takes more than I guess that some of us have yeah. to bring the change that we want to see.
0: Yeah, that's definitely um, a true statement. <laughs> and I think too, yeah. because for me, it seems as though I'm often up against um, individuals who are denying things like what you're saying are happening.
1: Yes. yes.
0: Um and because nobody is going to come out go walk outside of that meeting and tell, you know, somebody who wasn't in that meeting what they said. And so Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. um you know there there's all there's this level of denial sometimes that I think is really harming us. Um, yeah. and keeping us from moving forward, um, that for some is intentional, like the example you just gave, yeah. but I think for some are are unintentional because they're not aware, um, of those type of things that are happening. And yeah, yes. and I, and I yes. think that that is, you know, a really important story that I'm glad you shared, um, because there are similar things like that happening all over the country, especially when we're talking about affordable housing, um, And so that is very, very true. You ready for your next question?
1: It is. Oh, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready.
0: Politics aside, what do you think (laughs) that our community as a whole hears when they hear uh, a message from the pro-life community?
1: Well, you know, honestly, I don't know if they hear a message from the pro-life community. (laughs) It depends on who they are, you know? I mean, but for real, like, it depends on who they are. Um, when I worked for the pregnancy, for a pregnancy center, like I mentioned before, um, I was amazed that some girls would come in. I think what amazed me was just, like, how disconnected they were to the pro-life movement or even the pro-choice movement. Mm. Like, they were just trying to survive. Yeah. They're like, hey, you know, I need diapers. Like, my birth control failed. Like... You know, I remember one girl just couldn't even remember the name of Planned Parenthood Mm. and she went there for (laughs) services and she was like, oh, yeah, planned, you know, I mean, it was just like not an issue. And this was how I was. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut. Connecticut is a state that doesn't even have parental notification laws. So teenagers are not even required to tell their parents if they want to have an abortion. You can just go get an abortion without telling your parents. You have to have their permission if you want your ears pierced That's or right. if you want a tattoo, if you want to go tanning, but not an abortion. So it wasn't even on my radar. Like it was not on my radar. And so I think there's a lot of people um, who are just, you know, they're living, yeah. especially now with co- the coronavirus. They're living, trying to keep their job, living from paycheck to paycheck they're not thinking about the pro-life movement or the pro-choice movement like it's not you have to it's like a what is it maslow's hierarchy you know um the triangle or the pyramid i'm sorry um to be able to even get to the point where you're like thinking about activism and social justice issues for some people like the ones that are not you know an immediate need so if like you're Maybe you would think about police brutality if you live in a neighborhood where, like, that's an issue for you. But if, you know, abortion is just a necessary evil, yeah. right? A necessary evil, and you know where Planned Parenthood is, but it's nothing more than that, then you might not be thinking, maybe you hear about it in church, but you might not be thinking about it. And then you especially might not be, you know, you might not be able to name one single pro-life leader. Yeah. Or, you know, pro-life organization. And I, I think that that's pretty true. I mean, I think if I was to go, even in, whether it's my neighborhood um, or, you know, an inner city neighborhood, if I was to just walk around, knock on doors and say, hey, can you tell me the name of one pro-life organization that you know of, whether you like or dislike them? I think that people, even though, you know, you said politics aside, I really think that people can't do mm-hmm. politics aside. I think that people only know pro-life related to politics. So if I was to knock on 50 doors in the inner city or 50 doors in my neighborhood and ask people about pro-life leaders or pro-life organizations, they would say political leaders that they know have either messed up or they don't like them or they know this political leader has said they're pro-life. And um, they might not even know the pregnancy center. So that's one thing. I think there's a lot of... um, Lack there's a lack of knowledge, but then let's say for the people who do know, okay. So for your question, for the people who do know, what are they hearing? Um, you know, again, it depends on who they're listening yeah. to. So, if they are listening to, um, you know, there's a lot of popular black conservatives that are um, that talk about being pro-life. You know, Kanye West talks about being pro-life. He's in the news right now um, for sharing that. He was thinking of having an abortion with his daughter, his first daughter, um, and he was pressuring his wife to have an abortion, but they didn't. So, you know, they might hear something like that or they might hear, you know, black conservative um, or maybe they are aware of, you know, majority white, you know, pro-life organizations that are the more popular ones. Um, and maybe they see themselves represented in organizations. Maybe they don't. You know, it really, you know, it really differs. Maybe they maybe they do hear. Black uh, pro-lifers that they can relate to, like someone like Ben Watson. Um, or maybe they just hear, again, a white political leader that they either do like or don't like. So, you know, it just varies yeah. all the way across the board, um, it, depending on who they yeah. are, what who they're listening to. I think because we're so tribal, mm. too, and we're so... Um, prone to listen to the people that we like that, you know, person A to person B, you know, they have a news feed that they choose and they have radio stations that they listen to and podcasts that they listen to and they make the decisions about what they're going to hear and not hear. And so you're really able to just block out um, whole entire voices of people And listen to, you know, whoever makes you comfortable and whoever you like. So, you know, one person can think the pro-life movement is full of helpful, caring people who run pregnancy centers and want to help women. And another person can think the pro-life movement is full of white, you know, Republican people who hate black people. Um, And it all depends. I'm hoping to bridge that gap and be heard from people across the board. That's what I try to do. You know, I want to be heard by the young black girl who's thinking about going into playing Parenthood. And I also want to be heard by the, you know, young Republican dude as well. Um, and I can challenge them and provoke them in different ways. But I want to be heard by both of them. But I think that few people yeah. are heard by both of them. Yeah.
0: And I 100 I percent agree. And I think that that was uh, why it was important for me to start this particular podcast series, um, because the yeah. question that I consistently get is, "Well, how do how do I do this? How do I talk to people? What do I say?" And it's uh, most amazing to me, Christina, is that people want to <laughs> the people people want to engage with people who clearly don't see eye to eye. So there's yeah. really no um, entry point, right? Where it's like from the from yeah. the beginning to the end, you're they're shutting you down. And so at that point, yeah. I always say, dust your feet off and walk away. Like, don't wait, don't yeah. spin your wheels on someone who, you know, is not ready to receive what you're saying.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had in my, you know, whatever, 15 years of doing pro-life work, you know, I've de- we've all had this, you know, I've had the people who just swear and scream in your face. And, you know, I've had the people who say in trying to be nice, you know, at least your mom had a choice, Oh, like, because we didn't mention it on the a podcast yet. But you know, my I got into the pro life movement, because I discovered that my mom had scheduled to abort me. And she had walked out of the doctor's appointment. So you know, I've had people be rude and arrogant, and just say that they're grateful that she even had the choice. Okay, I had the choice to All what, right. you know, end my life. Thanks <laughs> so much. You know. <laughs> it's so strange, you know, to say that, like, well, I'm glad your mom could have killed you if she wanted right. to. It's like, okay, all right. But anyway, you know, I get where they're coming from. I, I understand how they see it. But still, um, you know, I've, I've had all sorts of negative responses and physical threats and different things from people. But there's always people who are listening and who have an ear to listen and want to listen. And sometimes you just have to walk away from the ones that don't, so that you can find the ones that do. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And I think I'm learning that in a way that you know I really was not excited about getting on social media, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do I rarely you know full disclosure, friends that are listening, I rarely read the comments unless you direct message me. Um. And so if, if it's like 200 comments, I'm probably not going to read them all just because I know that there are going to be some unsavory ones in there and nobody, nobody needs that negativity. <laughs> so, um, but, yep, you know, if I you send me you. a direct message, I, I will, you know, respond to you. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the biggest thing is that w- this idea that we, what we have to do is convince people. And the reality is, is what we have to do is be willing to have a dialogue with people that see things differently than us. If we truly, truly want um, change in our community, then you have to be willing to go in and have conversations and understand the climate. Like You have to understand your climate of each community. And I always say this because... Um, yeah. And I don't know if you've been asked this question, but I get asked this question pretty often, which is, well, how do we reach the black community? And that typically comes from someone in the pregnancy center space. And it is probably the single question that makes me want to th- uh, throw myself out of a moving card. Um <laughs> because, <laughs> because there's so no funny. smoking gun. And this idea that there's a smoking yeah. gun that, you know, every black community is not the same. You know, I grew up in a Black community that was extremely educated, um, very, you know, very knowledgeable of issues and what's happening. And it's still that way to this day. Um, Huge range of socioeconomics. But as far as education and critical thinking and social justice, they are the highest level thinking people I've ever met. And I've been a lot of places and talked to a lot of people. Um, Yeah. And for that reason, it's actually been easy for me to interact in my community because i I understand my community, and I know um you know yes, how to have this dialogue and conversation and walk away and still be friends and that's you know something that we're gonna be talking about a lot. you know, I wanted to have you on Christina because I know that we saw eye to eye in this in this space, but Christina and I are also very different yes. that I don't particularly claim any political party. I'm probably no more conservative than I am liberal. Um, you know. And so yep. even though we don't necessarily agree on every single thing, um, we are in full yep. support of each other and we believe that the thing that we're doing is what God has called us to do. And it's more important for each other to support and link arm to arm about that than it is to disagree about anything else. And so I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for your voice in these times. Um, I do do believe we are in such a time as this. Um, And we are seeing some growth. And right now it's just kind of the beginning. This COVID quarantine situation is just time for God to mold us and (laughs) get us ready for when you have to get back on the airplane, Christina.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Christina, Jeez, hates flying. I, hate <laughs> I really So
0: do. thank you, uh, I hate Christina is like a sister to me. Thank you so much um and I just appreciate you taking time Aww. out of your That's your sweet. break from baby Izzy sleeping um to talk with me and I and
1: Yes. and oh, I hope we get plunger. to do it again
0: soon. Um so,
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I just want to say I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. And it is so important, um, you know, pro-black, pro-life is so important because especially over these last couple of months, you know, we, I've seen it as I'm on social media all the time, you know, I've seen more and more people say um, that they're bothered, you know, by the way that the uh, traditional mainstream pro-life movement is operating and the way that they're discussing race. They're bothered by, you know, abortion being brought up when police brutality is brought up as a way to deflect. And they're looking for, you know, someone to speak in a way that makes sense to them and speak in a way they can connect to. And I think that this this is the right time, you know? This is the right time for pro-black, pro-life to go forward and to connect with people. And so I'm really just grateful to be able to you know be a part of it and in this way just adding my voice to you know support you I in what you're appreciate doing. you more than you know
0: more than you know <laughs> oh
1: thanks girlfriend well I love you Thank and you. we will chat Thank soon you.
0: tell Sean I said hello yes
1: yes I will <laughs> all I right will. Have a, I'm excited my Thank pleasure have a good me. week yes bye. you too you too bye